I'm India Block and welcome to Words on Wood, the award-winning podcast about forests and the timber industry. Today, we're going to be looking into the world of healthcare and exploring how timber and trees can help us grow healthier communities. And I'm Ollie Stratford and I'm here to lodge an immediate complaint. I'm pretty certain we've done this episode. We definitely haven't. No, no, no. Season 1, Episode 4, Wooden Wellbeing. We've ticked it off. As such, thanks everyone for having joined us today. It's been a brief but memorable episode. Cue the credits, please, producer Evie. Okay, so what you're talking about is the biophilia episode, which looked into research around the role that wood and plants can play in creating more humane spaces. Right, wood and healthcare. Which is correct. There's a wealth of studies out there looking into whether spaces that have a greater connection to nature through the use of materials such as wood can make people feel better. They feel more humane, welcoming, and there's also research to suggest that they may create more breathable, healthier environments. They're spaces that seem to be good for the health of the people who inhabit them. Right. I mean, we increasingly understand that design choices such as using natural and local materials, spaces with plenty of natural light and ventilation, and views of the outside and nature have positive outcomes on the well-being of the people who spend time in them, especially in places where the health stakes are high, such as schools, care homes and hospitals. Okay, so now you're getting close to this episode's theme, because how would you describe most people's experience of being in the hospital? I mean, not great. Not to knock the treatment you may receive or healthcare staff in the slightest, but the buildings themselves are often pretty dreadful. They're dreary, depressing and just very clinical and not in the good sense of clinical either because these buildings are often quite inefficient. You may receive amazing care in them, but the architecture is doing very little of that caring if it's not actively making it worse. It's weird when you think about it, because if anywhere should be going out of its way to make sure that you feel safe, secure and looked after, it's healthcare spaces. These are the places that are taking people in when they're often at their lowest ebb. They might be in pain, stressed, frightened. Hospitals are the places where people are born and people die. They're spaces of huge emotion, but the architecture rarely reflects that. In fact, it often compounds people's trauma to the point that being afraid of hospitals is a relatively common phobia. So today we're tackling what's emerging as a really vibrant and necessary conversation within architecture. How could we design healthcare spaces better? And the answer to that is more biophilic spaces? I mean, in all seriousness, yes. Or at least that's part of it. It's still an area of research that is in its infancy, but... Studies suggest that views of nature can have a therapeutic effect. Just being able to see the trees and sky from your bed, rather than a brick wall, could help you recover from surgery faster. Well, then it's clearly time to plant more trees around hospitals. Simple. Well, not quite. Health and healthcare, much like our bodies, is complex and requires a more holistic approach than simply having sick people stare at trees all day. As well as integrating nature into hospitals we're going to be thinking about how we're integrating hospitals into our cities, how different choices of materials and different types of spaces might change the ways in which healthcare spaces operate, and also how we could start reframing the barrier between designing devoted healthcare spaces and the wider issues of building healthy societies. 
Because if the spaces we spend time in are designed to keep us healthy, hopefully we won't need to be in hospitals as much in the first place. Now, before we press on, I should make a confession to the listener. I was in on this plan the whole time. I was merely playing the fool so as to help us draw this distinction between biophilia and the wider healthcare issue, because it's a subtle difference, but a vital one. And you played the fool to a T. I meant to take that as a compliment, because while the use of natural materials like wood is a big part of this debate, and we will be discussing that, it's not the only point up for discussion. We're also looking into urbanism and wider healthcare policy. And I'm imagining that many listeners will be starting to wonder what connection those issues have to timber and forests, which are the two main themes of this podcast. Which is a good question, because these aren't simply issues around what we're building healthcare spaces out of, or how many trees and plants we're integrating into our designs. They're questions about how we can entirely reframe our relationship with some elements of our built environment. Right. These are discussions about how we can shift our understanding of healthcare spaces from being facilities in which you go to get healthy when you're sick, and instead start thinking of them as forming a more holistic ecosystem in their own right. In short, how can healthcare spaces become more like living environments such as the forest and less like regimented production lines for medical attention? But that's a tall order because it goes against the norm. So, to help us get to the bottom of this, I started looking through my contacts book for an architect who works in this area. And the name that kept coming up was A. Brodgers, who designed a Maggie Centre for cancer patients at the Royal Marsden two years ago. Here's Abe to tell you a bit more about that commission. So we spent eight years from kind of commission to completion, working through what we could do to empower the, uh, the, the person coming from the hospital. So you arrive from the hospital and you're impotent. In the hospital, you have no control of where to sit, of what to, to feel. Well, not, okay, of course, you feel what you feel, but you have no control of... of of your day. You have no idea how long things are going to take. You have no idea about what the news you're going to be told. You're um, held up in queues. You're processed like a factory. That's a powerful thought because these spaces that are meant to be humane can actually end up being very dehumanising. For those who haven't heard of the Maggie Centre scheme before, it's a really excellent charity that enlists top architects to create drop-in centres that offer support for people with cancer and for their families too. The Maggie Centre scheme was co-founded by the late Maggie Keswick Jenks and her husband Charles Jenks, who was an architecture critic and a landscape architect. Every Maggie's is completely original in terms of their architecture, but they're all designed to be warm, comforting spaces that offer a respite from the misery of spending a lot of time in cold, antiseptic-smelling hospitals that a cancer diagnosis entails. And Abe's Maggie Centre is beautiful. It's next to the Royal Marsden Cancer Treatment Hospital in Sutton, and the whole place is clad in glazed red terracotta with huge windows that look out into the gardens. And inside, you just have light and colour and natural materials everywhere. I've been out there to visit it, and it's kind of amazing. So how does Abe feel that the space is actually improving the situation around healthcare? From that clip, it sounds like Abe really put himself in the place of the patient to try and understand how they could feel more care from their environment. 
Okay, so care is the right word here, because the experience of working on Maggie's allowed Abe to develop an idea that he calls the third carer. Here he is to tell us more. And so when we were developing Maggie's, when we were designing Maggie's, we, we, we developed this belief, this system, which we call the third carer. If the principal carer is the doctor, is the nurse, um, who take you through your therapy, who, who show you the way, of the, the medical way. The secondary killer is the family, is the friend who keeps you grounded, who makes you feel heard, who, who deals with some of your anxieties. Then the third carer, we believe, should be the architecture, the design, the environment that, that, that you're in. And we believe there's an incredible ability to really hold your, 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 your spirit, to make you feel protected, to give you a sympathetic environment with a view of a tree, really changes the way that you feel. Now. This idea of the third carer was very much present in Abe's Maggie Centre in all sorts of ways that I've touched on and some I haven't. I mentioned the windows and how the centre is set within a beautiful landscape garden, for instance, so nature flows into the space. But Abe also considered the tactility of materials he used. So all the door handles were made from carved wood as opposed to cold metal because cancer patients can often be very sensitive to temperature. Just little touches like that made this into a space where people are not only being cared for, but really feel that too. There's small design interventions that stress you're being looked after and that your interests have been considered. Maggie's has been fantastic with things like that for years, and fortunately, more and more of its centres are springing up around the country, as well as outposts in places such as Barcelona and Hong Kong. But they are just one charity trying to fill the gaps in a wider healthcare system, one that could definitely stand to benefit from this attitude of architecture as care. Which is exactly what Abe is now working on. In 2021, his studio won the Wolfson Economic Award, which is the world's biggest economic award, for a proposal that looked at what you're talking about. How could you design and plan new hospitals to radically improve patient experiences, clinical outcomes, staff well-being and integration with wider health and social care? And what was his answer? (laughs) Stop listening to architects. An architect saying not to listen to his fellow architects. That sounds like a controversial take. I'll let Abe explain. I believe that the the moment of the singular vision of the architect as God or the doctor as God is is, is over. I believe in order to, to really make these incredibly important changes, we have to do it through a collective intelligence. That it is, but you know, the architect has to work with the doctor, and the doctor has to work with the architect in order to 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 change the way the hospital feels. But the doctor and the architect cannot work alone together because they're not the only people working in the hospital. You have the patients, which are super important. You have the janitors who need to make sure the hospital is clean. You have the nurses who need to make sure that the patients are cared for. So we need to consult all of these people. Abe's idea was that one of the problems with the existing design of these spaces is that the people who actually use them, and that's whether they work there or whether they're being treated there, aren't actually being included in the conversations about how the spaces are being made. So, if you're going to improve the status quo, you need to change that and move towards something more like a communal design process that can take into account everybody's needs. As soon as we start to turn things on the head, we need to bring everyone around a table, but all talking at the same time, not the architect talking with the engineer and the, en- and the architect talking with the client, but everyone talking together. Now, architecture is 
famously an arena in which practitioners often develop a little bit of an ego, and they're very keen to exert control over every last aspect of a project. But Abe is arguing that if the profession is going to improve things in healthcare, it needs to surrender a bit of control and start thinking about these spaces as complex living ecosystems. I think that's right. It's about understanding that a production line model designed to process a lot of people in and out of surgeries and beds as efficiently as possible is not always the most suitable model for this kind of space. For a long time, human and man in particular really believed that the solution to health was to create these vacuous spaces that they could tr- control like a factory and that they could then treat the patient as, as an element in a factory and everything to be controlled. And this really is the, has been the problem of this kind of, of, of the, the hospital as a, as a health factory. One way you can shift these spaces away from a factory-like mode straight away is to consider their materiality. If you emphasise plastic and metal, you're creating a much more synthetic, cold and controlled space. Something like wood is immediately warmer and a bit more natural. Got it in one. Wood has an amazing ability to absorb sound as well. Wood makes us feel warm and cosy. Wood reminds us of the trees that we're looking at. Wood reminds us of things that grow. You know, and the plastic is controlled by man, as is the old hospital. So wood starts to, to dissolve those layers and becomes a much more inclusive uh, material something which we, which we relate to, you know, stirring our soup with the wooden spoon, um, you know, climbing the tree as a child, the birds landing in the tree, it has all these, 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 these memories, not to mention the tactility to it. So our hospital of the, of, the, of the future has a lot of wood in it. But Abe actually goes a bit further than that, because not only is his ideal hospital filled with wood, it's also built around a flexible wooden structure that can shift and adapt over time as the needs of the hospital change. In the wards that we are creating, they are, you know, the exterior is produced in wood. The system that sits inside the hospital is a glue lamp, TLC, modular, dry-mounted system that we can change the way it's configured by unbolting rather than knocking down plasterboard walls. The existing hospital is impossible to change, yet change happens all the time. A hospital built 20 years ago is a hospital built around large plants. All of your x-ray, all of your imaging machinery is massive. Now, you have portable MIR scans. You have all the machines continuously shrinking. So the function of the hospital shrinks, but the hospital of the past is redundant, is, not, is obsolete because it can't flex, it can't move, it can't respond to these changes. So we've got to build more inherent change into it. And I believe through using timber-based prefabricated panelized systems, we can come back with a much better solution. And then we let those timber faces breathe in the environment and we create a much warmer, more domesticated environment, which is much better for recovery. It's a living, changing wooden ecosystem, because it's only if you embrace that kind of adaptability, Abe thinks, that you can actually serve a community. Now, it's funny that you should bring up this notion of community, because while you were talking with Abe, I also started looking into healthcare and went rifling through my contacts book too. One practice that has developed a reputation for social design is Sarah Wigglesworth Architects. So I spoke with their associate, Eleanor Brough. 
The ideas Abe was talking about there remind me a lot of how they work, which I'll let Eleanor explain. I think our kind of overarching ethos sort of puts puts the kind of human at the centre and thinks about how you can kind of engage with people from the very beginning to understand and respond to the issue. I think there's a kind of um, a commitment to social value through both the process and the end product. And there's a commitment to kind of trying to reduce our, our impact. One project where this commitment to human-centric design is front and centre is their work on the concept for Ev's Fleet Healthy Garden City, a plan to develop a new neighbourhood that would prioritise the physical and mental health of its residents. So this isn't a dedicated healthcare space as such? Well, it depends on what you mean by a dedicated healthcare space. It's not a doctor's surgery or a hospital but it's a whole neighbourhood that is trying to prioritise the health of those who live and work there. It's a space focused on the prevention of disease rather than its treatment. I think a lot of the work on the Absolute project has also been around actually how, how are the kind of the models of care evolving and what does that mean to the kind of spaces that we provide and I think the balance between sort of what is a sort of a community space or a kind of more general use space versus what is perceived as a clinical space is is blurring a bit. The concept for Evsuite Healthy Garden City is a neighbourhood designed to facilitate a healthy lifestyle where you can walk places and access things like fresh food and social connection. Eleanor and her team adhere to the increasingly popular concept of social prescription. Prescription as in a doctor's prescription? Sort of, but instead of prescribing medicine, you're trying to offer people the other things that could help them feel better or keep them well. Are you able to eat good food? To socialise with friends and family? Do you have the time and the space to exercise regularly? Which are all basic things, I suppose, but which a lot of present urban planning is really not set up to offer. Long commutes, poor housing, having to live far away from family members and other community support, food deserts where it's hard to get a hold of affordable fresh fruit and vegetables, the loss of third spaces where you can hang out and socialise somewhere that's not work or home. Right. So how could a neighbourhood be designed to address all this? Maybe that's beautiful landscaping, or spaces that can bring people together, or services and amenities that make your life easier that are all within walking distance. This is the kind of area that the team at Sarah Wigglesworth Architects want to move the discussion into. And so social prescribing might be go for a walk every day, go and do a certain sort of activity. And actually, I think it's a kind of it's a sort of formal recognition that non-medical solutions can solve certain sort of issues and perhaps preempt things before they become kind of healthcare issues. So I think it kind of bridges the gap between the traditional sort of clinical role of a GP and the role of a community organisation or sort of more sort of social care orientated organisation. So, let me get this straight. Designing for social prescription means more parks, better pedestrian routes, places to grow your own food or buy fresh produce, that sort of thing? 
Well, obviously a lot comes down to the programming of different spaces, but like Abe with Wood in the hospital, Eleanor thinks that material choices and connections to nature also play a big role in creating a healthy neighbourhood. And her thinking on this was informed by the community engagement work that her practice did while working on a community hub for the Ebsfleet project. The input we got on what people wanted to sort of see in this building and what would kind of give them a sort of positive sense of health and of being kind of cared for. The, the, the overarching things were connected to natural materials, to interconnection between building and landscape. It's a sort of, I guess, biophilic design, but also the sort of idea of free flow from indoors to outdoors, views to the outside, kind of growing of sort of natural landscapes. But it's not just about the spaces themselves and the materials. You also need to think about the interconnections. It's like Abe was saying, a contemporary healthcare space isn't a mute factory. It's a living and breathing ecosystem. So I think more than just the kind of the building or the space itself, thinking about the, the journey and the interconnection between spaces. I mean, I guess our lives have all changed quite a lot in the last two three years in terms of our daily routines. Um, I think thinking that through again is another challenge. Like, what does the home need to be now? We all work there much more. What does the office need to be? How do we make sure we still kind of build in the sort of the stuff that's accidentally healthy? So the, <laughs> the, the walk to the station or getting kind of just out and about when you're just at home. I, I don't know, it's definitely something I've thought about quite a lot because um, I think it's easy to kind of miss out on some of that social interaction when you work from home. So how do you, how do you make that balance work and introduce those kind of accidental things that are part of your daily routine but all contribute to a healthy life um, on, on all levels? This way of thinking is something that I think very much resonates within Abe's future hospital project, because it's also not really just a hospital. It's a neighbourhood too, at least insofar as it's exploring a new way in which people might be able to relate to healthcare and its role in the city. And we're really looking at how we can create uh, a design that stretches across the whole spectrum. You know, we're trying to create something which affects the biological, but also affects the psychological and also affects the economical. So how can we make people feel more nurtured? How can we feed them better when they're in the hospital? But feed them better with, with words, with food, with views, with air, to create some type of holistic solution. So we don't see the same people returning and returning to the hospital. OK, so I heard Abe mention food there. And hospital food is notorious for being uninspiring fare for the patients. And if you're a visitor, well, then I hope you like vending machines, because there are rarely other options, and certainly not healthy ones. So can design really solve this issue? Abe certainly thinks so. His vision is for a hospital that grows beyond being a place of just medical treatment and becomes a space that houses community kitchens or community gardens where the whole neighbourhood could grow food. He also suggests that local shops could occupy the ground floor and help make the hospital a place that people actually visit, are involved in and support, even when they're not sick. A hospital that's a social hub people willingly visit when they're not in need of medical attention is a pretty radical concept. 
Does he see that benefiting the people who are receiving treatment too? He does, yeah. The idea is that if you can make this hospital into something more than just a space for treatment, but a community resource that people are invested in and care for, then you may even see that care start to improve. That does make sense, because all the doctors, nurses, cleaners, caterers, administrative staff that keep the hospital going are humans too, and they also require care. If your workplace is a healthy place to be, you're going to be able to provide a higher level of care. Humans are social creatures, and they need each other to survive. And this comes back around to forests as a model for living things that keep each other alive and healthy by supporting one another. Trees don't grow alone. They need soil for their roots and the creatures and fungi that help keep that soil healthy. Ape has a really great way of expressing healthcare in terms of plant life and ecology. And this example provided by healthy plants, trees and forests is what he envisages for his hospital. So it is this whole cycle that we believe we can create in this ecology. And if we can really get the ecology to support the gardens, then we really believe we can get the ecology to support the patients at the same time. And it's everyone, you know, in this ecological hospital, in this hospital as an ecology, everyone is important. So it can be the, 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 the neighbouring patient actually saves the life of the patient through noticing them turning a funny colour, through noticing a particular sound they're making. It can be the janitor, if they're engaged in their process, going past something happening and putting their, their, their hand up. It is the, it's the opposite of the hospital where everyone is so over-laboured and so stuck in their own job that they lose the foresight to treat the hospital as, as an entire ecology. And so it is this ecology of the plants and the hospital that becomes so important with this infrastructure. And it is the care of the, the nurses and the doctors, as well as the janitors and the cooks and the, the patients, that makes it all so in, in, important. And I think the plant becomes a fantastic metaphor for this. I think that's a good point for us to start wrapping up on, because that captures so much of what both Abe and Eleanor have been thinking about and working on. If we're going to progress the debate around healthcare and care, we need to fundamentally reframe about how we think about these spaces and what we want from them. Right, because everything that's been set out today is achievable. You could design and build these spaces now if you had the money. The problem is making sure that the political will and appetite to do so is there. You need to invest in the creation of projects that are really going to be transformative and which push healthcare into this idea of a living ecosystem, which is something that Abe has thought about as to why we're not currently seeing more of these projects actually being built. There is a, an obsession about the cost of the hospital at the point of delivery. Which does not look into the, into the cost of hospital over a 20 year period, which is completely different. And the, the cost of hospital on delivery is a tiny percentage of the cost of the hospital over the 20 year period. So really, for me, it is this, this money saving exercise, which is, which is wrong. And this is the question I think we'd like to leave listeners with. What value are we placing on healthcare and what are we investing in? Because if we believe that things can be better, then we need to start looking at how we can actually design for those futures we want. This has been Words on Wood 
podcast made by Desenio in collaboration with and with support from AHEC, the American Hardwood Export Council. Your hosts have been me, Ollie Stratford, and India Block, and it has been produced and edited by Evie Hall.